0: So, what do polar bears, Buffalo Bill football fans, 12-year-old boys with girls watching all have in common? Two things. They're willing to handle pain under very special set of circumstances that most people would be unwilling to bear. And we can learn something from them about handling pain. Actually, it's the most important secret I'm going to share today in the last of four episodes in my current podcast miniseries, Handling Pain in a Bubble Wrap Culture. Hi, I'm Doug Newton, pastor for 45 years, national award-winning magazine editor, and author of 24 books, and this is At the Intersection with Doug Newton, where scripture, culture, and character meet. And I'm here to help you pursue the kind of character needed to align with scripture faithfully and engage culture graciously. Now, each week, I make one observation about our culture, I give one insight from the Bible that speaks to that issue, and I suggest one way to strengthen the character that you and I need to relate to our mixed-up world with exemplary grace and fresh impact. Now, this is a no-gripe zone. Our question's not what's wrong with our culture. It's about what's the right way to respond. So, you ready? All right. All right. Here we go. In this episode, it's the last episode in my miniseries, Handling Pain in a Bubble Wrap Culture. Let me review where we've been before I give you the last of four tips. We kicked off the series acknowledging that our comfort-oriented culture has conditioned most of us to avoid pain, if at all possible. <laughs> and so this was the very first and uh, of the kind of screenshots that I was using to try to capture some people's interest in this whole idea. But as a result in this bubble wrap culture, we have become less practiced at handling pain and more likely to excuse ourselves from keeping promises, from a- uh, acting outside our comfort zone, from facing criticism, living generously, but these are the very challenges that we face if we're going to have an impact in our corner of the world. We've got to be people of character, which means we must, we must be prepared to handle pain and discomfort and fear without backing away so easily. So, I've offered three ways so far to work at handling pain. Uh, first... In episode 21, we looked at making peace with pain. In other words, you don't treat it automatically as something just to be eliminated because it's always bad. Then we talked about how you distract yourself from immediate pain by focusing on the something worse that might have happen if you don't hang in there. Then last week, we moved on and we talked about distracting ourselves by focusing on The greater good, you know, that kind of hero impulse. If I hang in there and and do what I'm supposed to do, then something good is going to happen. But before I move on to the fourth and final secret, I need to show you uh, a strengthening exercise that you can practice. If you've been following these episodes, you'll remember my story in the very first episode about Miss Flora, that little 90-something, who after cataract surgery made a baffling statement in reply to my question whether she felt any post-surgical pain. No pain, she said, but then continued (laughs) Oh, it hurts quite a bit, but no pain. (laughs) Now, if you didn't catch that episode, you'll enjoy going back and checking out Part 1, Episode 20, Make Peace with Pain. That's where you'll find Miss Flora. If you did catch that episode, you'll remember how I made sense out of her... Statement When I learned about her very difficult childhood with all of its hardships and deprivation, she had experienced such serious struggles with pain throughout her young life that her post surgery discomfort didn't even register as pain. What? That little thing? <laughs> from that point, I went on to talk about our culture's all out war to remove pain from our lives and how the reduced amount And the degree of pain in our lives because of pharmaceuticals and technology of all sorts has removed opportunities to practice and increase our ability to handle pain. You know, the fewer opportunities to face or do anything uncomfortable makes you less adept in that area. Or to to face anything difficult or to practice anything makes you less adept in that area. So whether it's driving in snow, if you don't do it, you won't get good at it, or handling pain. But here's the good news. If due to lack of practice, your pain threshold can decrease, which is what I'm saying, well, then through practice, your pain threshold can increase. So how do you do that? How do you improve your ability to handle pain and raise that pain threshold? Well, I'm not suggesting you see how long you can hold your hand over a flame or flagellate your bare back with a whip. I'll leave that to masochistic men trying to to prove their machismo. But just like a weightlifter gets stronger by slowly increasing the weight on the bar, you can carefully, slowly, judiciously learn to handle Small increases in levels of discomfort. How do you do that? Well, here's here's the big one. Don't be so quick to run toward re, uh, and reach for uh, relief from common everyday discomfort and pain. You know, back in the 1960s and 70s, during my teen and college years, uh, and the time of the peace movements and the protests, you would often see bumper stickers and protest, uh, protest posters that advocated question authority. Well, these days, I'd like to change that bumper sticker to question pain relief. I mean, every time our society says, well, take a pill for pain relief, we should ask, why? (laughs) For example, the next time you have a headache or some other body pain, when you would normally reach for the pain-relieving medicine? Don't. Now, I'm not advocating the dismissal of medicines and uh, medical technology at all. I am simply suggesting that we increase our ability to handle pain by handling ordinary aches and pains without running so quickly to pain relievers. And instead, we think, can I live with this and practice living well and making good choices even when I'm uncomfortable? You see, the goal is not to simply refuse pain relief medicines as if you're fasting from comfort. The goal is to live with the headache or the sore muscles and still treat other people. Kindly. Don't be grumpy. (laughs) I mean, really challenge yourself here. Monitor your words, monitor your tone of voice, and your facial expressions. And now remember, you know, if you're a coffee drinker, hey, that's in the medicine cabinet too. I mean, coffee functions for many people much like pain reliever. You, You know, you feel groggy or you're out of it until you've had your first cup of coffee. And then when you drink it, you feel better, you feel more alert, and you're in a better mood. So, practice going without coffee and just being pleasant, (laughs) you know? I mean, declare a moratorium on saying the excuses that I hear. I mean, I'm not an avid coffee drinker. I do it socially sometimes. But I hear these excuses so many times. Uh, from people who who drink coffee and need to have it every day. They say, well, I'm just cranky until I've had my coffee. And then they expect people just to understand and cut them slack. Well, (laughs) that's not on the others. That's on you. You know, I mean, if coffee is your uh, marijuana of choice to get you a little bit, uh, you know, feeling better, then there's a problem there, right? So, if you're going to drink coffee and you need it in order to actually give you that kind of physical, you know, sensation or 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 pick me up and everything, it's still on you if you don't have it to treat people well and not expect them to just understand that you're going to be grumpy until you've had your coffee. That's a way an everyday way that you can build your character and increase your ability to handle things well. Even when you're not feeling your best, believe it or not, if your practice, if you'll practice this, you know, kind of um, uh, depriving yourself of the thing that could easily relieve your pain or your discomfort, uh, if you practice this religiously, like a musician practices an instrument or a basketball player practices free throws, then you will actually get better at handling pain well. You'll be raising your pain threshold, and and what you're able to endure is going to increase. And you'll still do that and be able to be a kind and good person, even when you're hurting or uncomfortable. Now, with that effective practice method in mind, let's wrap up this series with the last secret, and in one sense, I think, the best I started this episode with the question, what do polar bears, Buffalo Bill fans, 12-year-old boys with girls watching all have in common? And if you saw my screenshot for this episode, you probably guessed that the polar bear refers to the people who jump into icy water in the winter. (laughs) Now, I'm going to, you know, in in the interest of full disclosure, you'll notice the guy down in the lower right-hand corner that's actually the picture that I grabbed off the internet and just superimposed my face over top of him. Because I've never I've never jumped into icy water like those people did. How can they do that? And then think of Buffalo Bills football fans. I mean, have you seen those guys who go shirtless in the stands during the game in below freezing weather? I mean, What is that about? (laughs) How can they do that? Or if you happen to be a guy and you had a normal preteen life, you probably have a memory or two of showing off in front of some people, usually girls, but then having a mishap of some sort. Let's say you fell while trying some skateboard trick or you did a face plant and you got major road rash on your knees and elbows. Now, if you were like most young boys, somehow you're able to jump right up acting as if no, that didn't hurt, didn't it hurt. I'm okay, I'm okay. I mean, you know, how could you do that? You know, jump into icy water, shirtless in the snow, face plant, but get up smiling. How could they do that? Well, it has to be uh, related to what they want to be part of. The guy in the icy water wants to be part of a group like the polar bears and participate not only in the festivity to be part of that group, but in many cases, a fundraising event. The Buffalo Bills fans, you know, they do it not because Buffalo is strangely, you know, short on shirts, (laughs) but the Buffalo Bills fans, they want to be numbered among those who are 100% sold out supporters of their team. You guys are on the field doing the hard, we're going to do some hard stuff up here with you. They want to connect, you see. And the preteen boy, he wants to be part of the group perceived by, it's a very exclusive group. Perceived by the girls as cool and fun. Those examples reveal one, of, one part of the secret for handling pain. And they show how, just how much people can endure when they really, really want to. But more than that, this driving force to connect with people and be part of a group, uh, identify with, can be harnessed to handle pain in more ways than just bizarre behavior. Um, If you remember last week, in our look at heroism, I used the Medal of Honor recipients as examples of people who face pain and death for a greater good. But they did it for another reason that I didn't mention. Many of those recipients say that The deepest motivation in those moments of facing death was their sense of brotherhood. I would do anything for my brothers, they'd say, anything. I would die for them. I'd face any pain for them. See, perhaps the most powerful secret to handling pain is finding a person or persons that you admire and want to honor and to please. Call them your significant other. I'm talking about holding some other person or persons in such high esteem that you will endure almost anything to bring good into their lives and make them proud. Now, although I need no, no greater love and acceptance from my wife than I've already received, I find it easy even pleasurable to sweat for her, to bear all sorts of burdens, to wait patiently, to, to smile even in my sickness, even when I've got the flu, to still be tender and kind toward her. She is my most significant other on earth for whom I want to be and give the best I can. It is my deep desire and my daily determination not to let pain or discomfort of any sort excuse anything less. I mean, when I get under deadline pressure, when I spend hours on a problem that I still can't work out, when I get some disappointing news, I mean, these are all pains as well, right? When I had hoped for some better outcome or a quicker solution— When I expect uh, some unexpected expense and sets us back financially. I mean, these are hurts too. You know, these are part of the pain of living. When I face some unfair criticism or feel like a failure, when worry or sadness sneaks up and closes in around me, closes in around me, may I never treat her with anything less than love, kindness, respect, and understanding, no matter what I'm feeling. This is my greatest desire. It is my deepest intention. She deserves nothing less. And that that works. But I want to tell you today that this secret to handling pain um, means that you don't focus on how to handle pain so much as focusing on this. How can I have... And choose at least one person in my life that I will honor, admire, and respect and want to please so much that I will be motivated to live above pain and be a good person, not just for him or her, but for everyone. Because that will mean something to that significant person in your life. I mean, if you're married, I hope that would be your spouse. But the reality is we all have more options than just one person, which is great. We all have many people around us that we can admire and honor enough to do the same, to be a good person for them. This secret works. And I know it works on even a grander scale for me, and it can work on even a grander scale for you. God can and should be actually that person. The Lord is my most significant other. No one motivates me more. Now, I'm nowhere close to being like Jesus, but I still try to follow him. And that's what we find in Jesus' example, too. Everything he did was to please his father. And like he said in his final prayer on earth, to finish his work let me ask a question. Do you know why Jesus gave his life on the cross? I mean, do you know really why? I mean, of course, the quick answer is that he died on the cross for us. And we often hear people say, if, there, if you had been the only person, Jesus would still have died for you. And that leaves us with the impression that that was his ultimate motive. But what did Jesus say was his ultimate motive? It's found in John 14, just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he where he struggled with the prospect of a horribly painful death. I mean, there he is. He's facing pain. If we want a model of someone handling pain, go to there in that moment. The Garden of Gethsemane, where he asked if, even for some other way to fulfill the Father's plan, take this cup from me. He, he wasn't wanting to have to face that pain. But there where he nevertheless said, But Father, not my will, but yours. This Jesus, here's what he said to his disciples that reveals his deepest motive for going to the cross. He said, You heard me say, I'm going away. He's talking about the fact that he's going to be going to the cross, rising and returning to heaven. And he continues, I'm not going to speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He's speaking there of Satan because the cross was going to be this, you know, cosmic, cosmic battle between uh, Satan and his kingdom, his forces, and the kingdom of God. And of course, Jesus knew he was going to win. And so he said, he has no hold on me, but the world must learn. What? By doing this, by me doing this, the world must learn what? That I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. I mean, here we see history's most beautiful love story. The Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son, but the Son so loved the Father that he gave his only life. There are a lot of difficulties and pain that I am more than willing to endure if it means that my pursuit of character and moral goodness and sacrificial love for my neighbor, no matter what the cost, will honor God and fulfill his purposes for me. I want to make him proud. I don't need to earn his acceptance. Jesus already took care of that on the cross. I just want to make my Heavenly Father proud. I hope all this sounds good to you. And not too much like pie-in-the-sky idealism. I mean, all these secrets to handling pain work. Especially when they all become part of your daily practice. But this last one. I mean, I can't help it, is the one I hope you practice the most. I've got another crosswalk for you here today to use uh, to see how these thoughts about raising your pain threshold and finding your significant other might apply to your life now and in the future. I guarantee It'll be good for you. I hope you'll get this crosswalk. Well, that's it for this week. I'm so glad you were here. I hope you'll agree. This is important stuff. And if you appreciate what I'm trying to do in this podcast, please share it with your friends. Subscribe to my Fresh Impact YouTube channel. The algorithm in YouTube is just looking for people who subscribe as one of the ways that they raise it um, to a higher level and what people will get when they search and and tend to find it more easily. In 24 hours, I'm going to have a permanent version on YouTube and an audio-only version for those who want to listen on the go. And all that information about the podcast, past and future, can be found on our website, and all of those links can be found at the end of this video. Hey, so thanks again for tuning in. I hope you'll uh, continue to find this uh, resource valuable. There are a lot of even groups that are using it now. If you're finding it helpful, please leave me a comment or or maybe uh, send me an email. Well, I hope you'll join me again next week at the intersection. I'm already looking forward to showing you... An interview that I had with another person in my intermittent series, people worth admiring. You're going to meet a man who took a small boarding school in Appalachia and gave 25 plus years of his life and many sacrificial sacrifice or personal sacrifices to turn it into a highly regarded school with students from all around the world. I can't wait. In the meantime, remember you'll be able to handle more than you ever thought possible if you're if you you uh, have a significant other in your life to honor and admire. I'll see you then.